Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Boop, we're live. Okay. Well, hello, everyone. We're back. It's me, Elliot. Joined by Keith, as always. Keith, how are we doing today? Howdy, 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 movie lovers. We got uh, we got some stuff to talk about today. We got a new movie. Oh, and I'm pretty excited about this one. How about you, Keith? I'm not excited. I'm never really? excited. That's true. No, because that's what people always say on podcasts. You're like, well, we got a great topic today. I'm really excited to talk about it. That's not true. Last week, I was like, I am not excited to talk about this movie at all. I hate this movie. I'm, I'm upset that we watched it. I think you can be excited in an aggressively negative way, though. I, was I, th- not, I think that's the inverse is possible. I the, was genuinely unexcited to talk about Dreamscape. Like in, in The Prince of Darkness, mm-hmm. there, there isn't a uh, Satan. There is a, a inverse of God, right. an anti-God. Right. And in the same way, I think there can be anti-enthusiasm. Well, that was not what I was experiencing. I was I, that movie was a slog. I found talking about it to be a slog. Uh, I was yeah, Dreamscape was... sucked, and I'm still confused because I kept seeing more and more reviews and scores and think ratings and things like that of it being good, and I don't, I still don't get it. But good, you know, good for people if they like uh, Jeff Bridges or Bo Bridges or. Uh, Tom Skerritt, or who? who's the guy? What are you talking about? None of those people are in the movie. What's the name of the guy in it? Oh, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, yeah. And his, his, he's got his cousin, Billy Bob Quaid. And, right. And Bruce Quaid, Stephen Quaid, the Quaid brother. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, no, I am genuinely like pretty pumped on this one. I think having come off how bad Dreamscape was... That that probably boosting my excitement a little bit, but I'm 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 into, into this one. And I also I know we said this last episode too, but I really want to hammer it home. If you guys have not listened to the Predestination episode, if you have not watched Predestination, please do yourself a favor and go watch that movie and listen to the episode. Or if you want to listen to the episode first, do that. Just keep in mind it is spoiler, spoiler, spoiler heavy for a movie that is loaded with. Twist, turns, and spoilers. It's one spoiler after another. Yeah. It's like going through one of those like police training courses, and every cardboard cutout that pops up is a spoiler. Yes. And then you blow it, blow its head off. And then, but right behind that, it's this. There's another one. Yeah. It's something. All right. That's my oh. favorite scene from Men in Black. Is uh, that little test where it's Will Smith with all the oh, yeah. sort of Ivy League graduates and the military uh, standouts, and they all fail. And he's like, I can't remember what the gag is, but it's like, so oh, he, it's a little white girl in the hood with a, you know, purse. Or, or. No, what it is is like they shoot all these aliens. All the other guys shoot all these aliens, and he shoots the little tiny. Oh right, girl. he shoots her right. And all the uh, guys who shoot out to aliens. Will Smith explains what they were doing. Like this one, he's just doing pull-ups on a street lamp, and this one's blowing his nose. But then the little girl has. 
a textbook that says quantum physics. Oh, that's right. And yeah. he's like, what, uh, what this is, these books are way too advanced for her. She's obviously up to no good and planning some sort of world domination takeover. Yeah. It's a science gag. It's a it's real a, thinker. Yeah. It's a pretty fun, fun little moment. Yeah. It's uh, great. Uh, we are doing the movie we're doing this week is a movie called ghost in the machine, which is basically uh, a movie about what would happen if an early 90s computer screensaver was trying to kill you. Yeah, the sci-fi summer is rolling on and we've we're we're talking about genetic engineering and manipulation. We're talking about time travel. We're talking about uh, science gone wrong. Now we've arrived at that omnipresent internet influence the early days of the internet a world where computers were still delightful and magical and you could scan something and it was uh just a dazzling act of of almost magic and in this tale a serial killer traps himself inside of a computer does he well he doesn't really trap he gets trapped in a computer. I don't know if he traps himself. Well, the plot of this movie is there is a serial killer. In it. What is he called? Like The, the note, address, address book, book killer. The, the address book killer. Because My favorite you... thing about this is the fact that th- there is no like real sort of complex motive or modus operandi for this mm-hmm. killer. It's literally, he steals your address book, kills everyone you know, <laughs> yes. and then kills you last. <laughs> yes. It's very it's... straightforward by the numbers. You, you know exactly what you're getting into. You know who's next, and you know where it's going to end. Very satisfying. Totally. And it's, and it's funny that he has this name, too, because he doesn't leave the address books around. No one knows that he's using an address book to use these until later on somebody figures it out but he's already been called the address book killer um no this plot is this movie from 1993 uh it's about this serial killer who steals uh karen allen's address book she plays a single mom and he's on his way to go murder her but on his way there he gets in a car accident is rushed to the hospital they're doing an mri on his brain while they're doing that the hospital gets struck by lightning and his brain gets transferred into the computer. Yeah, perfect impression of the scan gets saved into the memory of this uh, massive computer system. And from there it's on... It's believable, he... and that's what I like about it. <laughs> it's, the science checks out. Um, uh, and from then, he can access the internet. He can go through any telephone line, power line, and as long as there's a computer chip in it, he can control any device or machine. I start as the movie rolled on. I started to really kind of pick at that because I was like, "Wait a second, what is the nature of this device that he's controlling or inhabiting?" Uh, oh, it makes literal no sense, and I, th- none of it makes sense. There's even like better ways they could have explained wh- how his brain ended up in the computer uh they could have had like some sort of experimental science that they were doing using computers and brains something they could have done that but i don't care because what this movie is is a fucking riot is this movie necessarily like a movie that that holds water when you put it up to logic absolutely not but this movie is so much fun 
Yeah, it's sort of barely held together by just about anything. And even the actual crafting of the movie is pretty shoddy at best. There's a lot of like weird overdubbing and like characters saying things that they're not actually saying for like no goddamn reason and like weird fades and transitions that you know seem like uh, they're put in by like a film student uh yeah. with no like real knowledge of like uh why you would make a cut in a certain place or use a specific transition and yet other other pieces of the movie are absolutely masterful i have a few i will get into this obviously more but i have a few theories of what might have happened based on who the filmmakers were that the way it's edited some a few other things that i have some questions or ideas about and sometimes contradicting ideas but uh when i first started watching it i was just thought it was complete incompetence that was making this and i was like maybe not maybe this isn't just fun because it's completely incompetent maybe there was some intention here but the filmmakers is of this are rachel talele 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 yeah director uh, of such films as freddy's dead the final nightmare that movie, uh, this movie, and Tank Girl, and those were the only movies she directed. Then after that, it was TV only. That's a hell of a resume. Yeah. I I'd also like to sidebar that she's a very delightful lady. She is prominently featured in the Never Sleep Again uh, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street documentary, and I think that she's uh, she's fantastic. I agree. And, and that's a hell of a resume. Like, what a body of work to just, like... Here you go, film world, and now I'm gone. Yeah, pretty much. Because uh, those are, you know, two very beloved films by some very hardcore fans. So, like, you can't really ask for much more. Um, the screenwriters are William Davies and William Osborne, who were two of the co-writers of the movie Twins. Um, there were some other people who wrote that, and they also wrote Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Uh, another movie that exists yeah what a confounding so you go from one kind of delightful body of work to an absolutely confounding assortment of ideas and concepts (laughs) that's wild um this movie is really interesting i you know you mentioned last night when we were texting after uh that this was like a a, you call what you call a nickelodeon it's a in in tone and style, it is 100% a Nickelodeon movie. All it needs is a ska soundtrack and right. sort of uh, the dog getting into more mischief. Because yeah, just, right off the bat, you meet this kid who's wearing the biggest pants you've ever seen and has a uh, backwards hat glued uh, at an absurd angle onto his head. There's a lot of uh, things going on with this this kid and his friends that are uh yeah really fit into that mold i mean this movie to me was like uh i mentioned this to you too as well but it was it was a are you afraid of the dark episode with violence you know actual violence in it oh without a doubt it's also one of those movies where if you recut it and like removed some of the the serial killer the more violent stuff it could easily like become like a wacky adventure movie like well, Billy lost his dad in an accident, and now his friend is trapped inside a computer. And they're yeah, going to oh. have a race against time to get him out before he's trapped in the internet forever. Totally. There's There are some very like crazy tonal shifts in this movie, particularly in the beginning. After a while, it kind of settles out. 
But like when the movie starts out, there is nothing to if you didn't see the preview. There is nothing to suggest that this movie has any sort of sci-fi or horror element. Even the opening credits, even the title, you know, which is like "Oh, Ghost," but that's uh, taken from an, uh, a phrase that means that the mind and the body are separate entities. So it doesn't it doesn't have any direct reference to the supernatural or any sort of actual machine. And the movie starts out where it's basically just, you think it's, it feels just like a, um, a made for TV serial killer movie. But we're, so we're introduced to this kid right off the bat. Like, Oh, the introduction of the kid is fantastic. Nobody is, everybody's awful in this, in this movie. Yet another example of characters who are completely unlikable. As this kid, for no reason other than boredom, is uh, acting as some kind of grifter, uh, conning uh, part-time athletes out of their money at the gym. Yeah, so this is one of the, my favorite characters of this era, where this kid is like a ba- supposed to be like a bad boy in some respect, but is also into like super nerdy stuff. Like computer programming. Oh man, hack! Yeah, you don't get me started on hacking in this movie. It's, oh my god! It's portrayed as like some kind of like underground superpower, right? And yet, I, there's no actual hacking in the movie whatsoever. None. But also, <laughs> do you think this kid grew up to be one of the hackers from the movie Hackers because he just seems like a, a younger version of those guys? Yeah, it's certainly possible. Um, He's definitely on that track. But, you know, that's one thing I, I recalled and, and really kind of hindered me from uh, ever getting on, on this kid's side was this is the leader of the sort of prep team from the Sandlot. Like right. he's He's the captain of the evil baseball team. This movie has three people from the Sandlot in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Karen, Karen Allen's the wrong mom. Yeah, and then uh, the, the Josh, the kid in this movie his best friend is what uh, is also one of the sandlot kids oh yeah he was the, uh, movie. the same kid from uh people under the stairs yep and mighty ducks that kid yeah we should do a tribute episode to that kid because he's had a hell of a career he certainly has as short-lived as it was but, yeah um i actually looked him up in because of this movie and he still is working but like mostly doing like vo- voice over work and stuff like that dude that's the that's the jam that's the jingle oh, totally. right there i think that's kind of what um Uh, Ned Beatty was doing kind of later on in his career. R.I.P. Ned Beatty. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you can just show up to a room for an hour and then record like an entire season of some cartoon and just get paid right there, why not? Well, you also get to like if you've ever seen sort of the behind the scenes of voice acting, you get to stand there and like act it out and like yeah, without any of the kind of bullshit of uh you know, being on set and waiting for production and all that. So, like, put on your headphones and, you know, do what you do, Yeah, which is oh, pretty I just, cool. I was recently just watching something with Bill Hader, and they were asking about, like, I can't remember what it was, but, like, some animated movie where he had a significant role in, and they were asking him what it was like working on the movie, and he goes, like, well, I worked on it for about one hour, so, and then two years later, the movie came out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So he was like, I, 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 he's, I think he said he forgot that he was in the movie uh, until it came out. Did he even record it? And it was like, the, but it was some movie that was a big deal of some kind. I can't remember what it was. He's like, oh yeah, I did do that. Yeah, I think uh, 
as a related sort of story, Jean-Claude Van Damme was in the uh, Kung Fu Panda series. Uh-huh. Like he was either in the first or the second one. And I think that like f- saved him financially. Oh, wow. It like, it's like saved his career, like just doing something like that, which is, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, when we're introduced to this character, like you said, he's like scamming some dude at the gym for no reason. Then we meet his mom, a single mother, single mother. We meet their his the single mother's mother, who is played by the actress who plays Lucille Booth from Arrested Development, and she's playing literally the same character. Yeah, in this movie, her outfit uh, is fabulous. And then shortly after that, we meet this world famous hacker. Who ends up aiding them? A world famous hacker who, by all accounts, has transitioned into the most basic of IT jobs. Yes. And I guess that is the the through line. You become sort of a folk hero hacking celebrity. uh, And then eventually you go live the straight life of, um, you know, just uh, networking cables and things like that. Uh, Yeah. Did you think that, that that character, when we're first introduced to him, because we meet him exactly moments after uh, Karen Allen, her, what's her name in the movie, Terry, Terry is talking to her mom about him, about how he's a deadbeat who is never around for them. And then we meet, instantly cut to that guy who is a computer hacker. Josh, the son, is a computer hacker. Did you think that that was, character was going to be the dad and that through this thing they were going to be reunited and reconcile as a family because that's immediately what i thought but that did, turned out not to be the case i did not i did did not even clock that conversation they were having it seemed to make almost no sense to me mm. and as soon as they moved to uh this hacker character uh i was relieved uh that they had just moved on from whatever the hell they were <laughs> they were babbling about there's definitely a a handful of uh moments like that where things are just kind of like head scratching and don't make any sense at all and it feels like this movie was either uh sort of rushed or uh you know significantly chopped up i was gonna say i i think that somewhere there is a much longer cut of this movie yeah that because there are jumps from scenes to scenes where it's just like it does it's not like it's unclear but it does feel like there should be a transitional scene here somewhere oh there's some very abrupt just a scene just does like slams on the brakes and then mm -hmm. moves on to something else yeah like there's there's some significant time jumps uh not like time jumps in terms of like oh it's three years later but it's like Something happened in between this that we were supposed to see. Yeah, especially when in a lot of sort of danger scenes, like especially right. l- later on when the um, the cops are called to the house and sort of open right. fire, and the the grandmother has like a heart attack or goes into a coma or some shit, uh, and it it just goes from the house being shot at to them in the hospital. Right, and it's not like you can't figure out or understand what's going on. It's just like tension would have built much better if there was those scenes in between those in between scenes and it really feels like there's something missing you're like hey wait a second uh Um, also i this movie like it's rated r and yes it is like we said it's more violent than a goosebumps or uh are you afraid of the dark episode 
but it's not really that violent. I really th only think there might be one scene that earned it an R rating, so I wonder if they were trying to cut it to make it more, to make it a PG-13 movie, and then it still got an R rating, and they were just like, fuck it, or I don't know, but it is interesting. Yeah, there is definitely something going on there, because it, it is just, there's some strange just stopping points for a, a bunch of scenes. Um, but I would imagine either that opening sort of, uh, murder sequence where you, you see the address book killer, uh, at work. Oh my God. Uh, go on. I just, that scene is just so great. Yeah. I didn't really understand what was happening at first. Uh, it, I was actually like really engrossed by it because you sort of, uh, this family is uh what what's happening they're watching tv and then eventually you see that they're they're actually not watching tv it's the address book killer and he's he's killed and maimed this family and then set them up to look like they're just sitting there watching tv in their home right and then you yeah and then you go to this the computer store where she works where this is basically the whole setup of everything how karen allen's family gets involved in this is that she needs to buy a present for her boss and she goes into this computer store and talking to the salesman, she delivers one of my favorite lines in the movie, which is, I need to buy a present for my boss, Frank. Which is a pretty benign line, but why is she telling this guy that her boss's name is Frank? Because it's going to be important later. I guess. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, he sells her on this computer program that basically is, you take your address book, take a magic wand that doesn't exist, uh, wave it over the address book and that will transfer all your handwritten contacts into the computer, which is how the address book killer who works in the computer store gets the address books. Everyone forgets their address books because they don't need them anymore. He was right under their nose the whole time. And the best thing is, so it's the end of the night, the store is closed. The address book killer has the address book and he's like, Oh, this lady left her address book. I'm going to go return it to her. After he's sniffing it, he's yeah. like literally has it under his nose with his eyes closed, just inhaling the scent. Yeah, which it probably doesn't even like smell like a lady. It probably just smells like has a leather smell. So That's it's what not gets even him off. <laughs> it's the smell of ink. It's the smell of paper. So it's he the could, smell of addresses. He could he just go to an office supply store and still get the same rush. It's not the same. It's not the same. I love the the all the sort of early technology and uh, uh, internet and computer stuff is great because they use phrases like uh, she's like, Oh, um, uh, I forget the kid's name. She's like, Josh, uh, Josh. She's like, Josh, what, what is that stuff you call it? He's like desktop software. Yeah. And she's like, yes, I need desktop software. <laughs> and then the scanner uh, that you mentioned, like the scanner that they're, they're using is like, it's either a grocery scanner, like right. like RFID scanner, or yes. it's um, it's those scanners they use to uh, create a sonogram at, no, at the hospital. One hundred percent. It's not. This is nothing real that's ever existed with any computer. But also, like, I mean, scanners did exist back then. But yeah, they, yes, they weren't like this, weren't yeah. that sexy looking. They were right. just like a little flatbed scanner. Right. But the dude also, it's like. He tells his boss, I'm going, like, would you, if you were going to murder somebody, would you be like, hey, 
boss, I'm going over to this woman's house that you talked to today. I'm going to, you know, and then would you go over there and murder her? Like, would you tell someone you're going to the scene of the crime you're about to commit? Oh, not at all. And a smarter, a smarter serial killer would not do that. But obviously you, you get a, you don't realize, but it becomes pretty clear uh, in the next couple of scenes that this guy is not some kind of genius. He's like mi- mid tier serial killer. He's gone three years murdering everyone in everyone's address books, baffling the police. No one can catch him. No one has any idea. But that's because he's using technology that people don't oh understand. My God, you're right. You're right. This... He's using des- he's using desktop software. Yes, exactly. People don't know how computers work or what the fuck is going on with anything. I mean, but you. You you could tell Karen Allen was like, I work in an office all day, and I don't understand computers. I use mo- a telephone and an address book. This movie really isn't about the killer. He's in this movie surprisingly little. This is all about the hijinks of this family, the mom trying to cope with all of her friends dying and juggle a romantic life and raise her kid. And the who- son out going absolutely buck wild. He is in the throes of puberty. And I wonder if that's why, if in real life he wasn't going through puberty, and that's why there's so much sort of overdubbing and like, like ADR, ADR stuff. Yeah. yeah, because it's there's a lot of really weird moments where uh, one of one of the moments is he's he's talking and he what he says does not match up. So they change definitely change the line, but then all these other moments, it's just it's like. What happened to the audio? Did his voice crack? Like it seems when he's talking to the babysitter or talking to uh, the the world's most famous hacker, I and mean, uh, it's it's very strange. But I think he was he must have actually been going through puberty at this time. If well, if we assume that his voice in the Sandlot is his real voice, we can only assume that that is what happened because in parts of this movie he sounds like a kid, but in Sandlot he sounds like a man in his 40s from Brooklyn. Yeah. He's like, oh, your mother drinks from the toilet, and she likes it. You guys yeah. want to play stickball? Yeah. 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 Uh, which is not his voice in this movie. But this <laughs> kid is is a monster. He's constantly, like, looking at, at pictures of nude robots on his computer. He, he's he's in- on the phone with his friend, and he's like... <laughs> Oh, you, the best line in the movie? The best line in the movie. He's like, I got this new sex program. Oh, no, okay, no. The best line in the movie is when he's talking about that girl he likes who is, throughout the movie, it's very unclear how old she's supposed to be. Oh, the babysitter. Uh, the babysitter. He goes, oh, man, you want to believe this girl. I call her butt onion because it'll make you cry. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. He's super into hip-hop, like, inexplicably, like, just for no reason other than, like, it's an excuse for him to wear like big clothes, I guess, and dog yeah. tags. Well, I mean, that was the style of the times. Uh, yes, early nineties. I mean, also, I definitely there. There's a picture of me wearing a, a backwards hat, exactly like this kid. And but. being into like like early nineties hip hop, that's that that all uh, is in line. Although some of the particular song choices in this movie are interesting. Did you? Did, are you talking about the first song that you yep. see in the credit? <laughs> I almost took a picture of that and sent it to you because I was like so fucking blown away. <laughs> the song when like when like uh the mom is talking to her mom like uh, Terry's talking to her mom because like Josh is fine and the particular song starts playing and the mom the grandma's like oh I can tell he's fine just from this song. Is that uh, the song that was playing? 
Yes. Oh, I yes. missed that. Because I was I like, want... oh, I get the gag. Like, I was, like, sort of half half paying attention to that. Yeah. But that's brilliant. I didn't I didn't realize it until I saw, and it's not, like, uh, that title just, like, this jumped. Is a, this is a good, fun surprise, so I'm not going to say anything about, else no, about we'll let, that. No, we'll let people discover it on um, their own. <laughs> The Oreo spread, the, the amount of Oreos this kid is eating. Oh, like, yeah. He's, he's trying tr- to put on some weight. Yeah, he's truly a monster. Um, he, he's, like you said, like, he's not likable, but he is one of the best parts of the movie. I mean, he probably is the movie. Um. He definitely shoulders, uh, shoulders the load. I think Karen Allen does a good job, though, of being, like, she's on this roller coaster of being, like, the tough mom who doesn't put up with his shit. And I love how she knows all of his excuses. At one point, he's trying to be, like, oh, you know, it wasn't like this when dad was still here. And she was like, shut up. Yeah. She was like, your dad was a child. And like, yeah. that's why he's gone. And like, the kid's not even really like tore up about it. He's just no. like trying to use that as a cover so he won't get in trouble. Totally. I mean, Karen Allen actually is really good in this movie. Karen Allen someone who kind of doesn't get credit in general. Like, she probably should have had a better career, in my opinion. She's a really great actress. Um, and she does, like, somehow manage to carry, like, the load of this movie that just jumps wildly from tone and uh, here and there and is kind of, like, maintained somehow. She's um, the most likable, and she's coping with sort of these acts of internet terrorism on her life uh, relatively well without yes. sort of freaking out or, um, you know, doing anything too uh, uh, too absurd. And then well, she, I'm... the way she puts together the situation at the end is uh, heartwarming. Yes. She, she is just ready to call it like it is and, and not... Uh, She's not burdened by an understanding of technology or physics or science in the least. And that's what I really like about it. She's like, I'm reading this situation purely from what I'm witnessing and experiencing. And that's exactly what it is. Well, it's basically like her character just has the attitude of like, once I eliminate the impossible of what, you know, like what can and can't be happening, once I've done that, whatever is left, no matter how implausible has to be the answer and yes. that's and that's what she concludes and just kind of sticks with it um i there are some things i genuinely appreciate about her character and the way she's uh written and acted one i like the fact that she does not get with the ha- famous hacker dude that she just goes to him for answers about this stuff and then help but doesn't like fall in love with him uh i like at the end that he doesn't really save the day like he does the technical computer stuff, but the the actual outsmarting of the villain is done by her, and the final death stroke is done by her. That he doesn't run in and save her, yeah, at the last second. Um, I think that's very unusual, particularly for a movie of this time. And I think probably the fact that there's this movie had a woman director uh, certainly helped in that regard. Not in other parts of the movie, though. Let's talk about this this hacker character for a yeah. second because actually before we do that, my favorite Karen Allen moment is where uh, she's with Josh in the morning and he's about to drink a Coca-Cola for breakfast. She goes, don't drink Coke for breakfast and then yeah. slugs down her like cup of coffee. Yeah. I laughed so hard at that. I was like, who wrote that? Yeah. 
like that's a real good like blink and you'll miss it kind of like zinger uh if i guess if maybe if you're more of a like immature like kid or somebody you'll think that's funny but maybe adults will think it's funny too it's pretty good i thought it was hilarious uh but this hacker guy uh he shows up and who's his boss it's that guy from uh the burbs that is awesome which guy Uh, the guy with the mustache no i know but who's he in the burbs the funny guy like one of the main characters yeah, Rick Rick Ducommon. He plays art. He plays the funny guy. He's not Oh my god, you're right. He's not Bruce Dern and he's not um Yeah, I didn't recognize him in this in this as the same guy. The funny this one. Yeah, cuz he's wearing like a a toupee and has a mustache and he was hilarious. It's yeah. He was like we went to the same trade school and now I'm your boss even though I just like did nothing and half-assed my way here and they have they have some good banter. That's kind of early on when the the tone was. I was like, "Holy shit! This is like, like more of a comedy than anything." Totally. It's like they have like some major league banter. Well, and it's also like there's movie times where this movie. At first, I was watching this movie. I was like, "This movie doesn't realize that it's funny, and that's making it funnier." Um, but then there's times where the movie definitely does realize that it's funny, and it's being funny on purpose and i was wondering like is there just like maybe like a a difference of agreement agreement between all the different people making the movie the studio and the director and like one person was trying to make it like this they're like oh you got to make it scarier or you got to make it funnier or was it like we're filming something and partway through filming the director was like you know what this isn't really working as a scary movie uh i better make this a lot more goofy and funny I mean, I think it definitely screams studio interference. I think so, too, particularly given the director's other work, you know, uh, and the fact that it was written by people who write comedies predominantly. Yeah. Unless Twins was originally supposed to be a serious thriller about two twins finding their real mother in this scientific experiment secret uh, cover-up, and then uh, Ivan Reitman was like... I will make it funny instead. Or one twin hunting the other in order to gain their knowledge and strength. Like a, like like a you, twin Highlander? Yeah, you hunt your twin and then eat them, and then it becomes you become the one. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'd watch that movie. Uh, they made that movie. It was called The One, starring Jet Li <laughs> as himself. <laughs> I am um, you law. I am nobody's bitch. <laughs> that movie's awesome. Anyways, uh, so this hacker guy shows up and he's soaking wet uh, because he can hack into like military defense computers, but he doesn't know what the fucking umbrella is. Uh, and what you don't understand at first is like he's got like a bit of a quick wit, good for him, but then you find out later he's some kind of a folk hero and he like he hacked into. Uh, what like the irs computer system or something yeah and uh so he's like famous and well known but well, at even no when he, even when he meets josh josh goes like you're the do you mom? know who this is yeah mom holy shit even though josh does no hacking or anything no. closely resembling uh, hacking in the movie and it doesn't no- even really seem to understand how email works no that email exchange between him and the killer 
uh, where they're going back and forth. It's, that's not a, even an email. Like, that's just instant messenger. <laughs> yeah, that's just messaging and even email at the time. And I get it too because email at the time and a lot of the sort of interfaces and sure. the way things looked at the time were not sexy at all. They were like no. really humdrum and ugly and plain because graphics processing wasn't all, all that much of a thing. Also in that scene, the killer is talking to him and saying like, Josh, touch the computer screen. So you always expect there's going to be a moment, some point in the movie where he touches the computer screen, but he never does. No, and then they touch the killer later and do not become digitized or anything like that. No. So like what was going to happen there? I don't know, but I mean, it's, it's a mystery that could only be solved in the sequel. I love it how it happened. We've been talking for nearly 40 minutes and we're like, we're barely like through this movie. Which is crazy. I didn't think uh, would, that we were really going to get uh, this much juice out of it. But we that's, like we haven't even talked about like any of the death scenes yet. But that's because this is not a movie about plot or what happens. This is a movie about moments. Pretty much every one of my notes is just a reaction to how somebody does something goofy or something weird that happens. Like my here are my notes. Frank really knows how to work that microwave. Dog watching porn. How exactly does the VR game work? The strip tease, agitate, explode, die. Oh, the VR game. What happens in gym class? It was. Is that Dominic West? These are my notes. <laughs> <laughs> it was really early on when it, the serial killer. So to, just to backtrack a little bit, this the the address book killer is driving with the address book to go uh, meet Karen Allen at her house and murder her, right? And for some reason, and this is where I sort of like reference the killer being kind of mid-tier, because apropos of nothing, this fucking guy starts playing chicken on the freeway with a bunch of 18-wheelers. Yes. He has a very distinct like mission and like purpose, and he's got a destination. Why is he fucking around on the freeway? I watched that scene twice because I assumed that I like was like messing up. Like, oh, he's not playing chicken. Something else happened. Like, oh nope, he's just no. Playing. He just gets like a road rage boner or something and starts like cackling. And he's like, I'm gonna fuck up some people's day, and nothing bad will happen to me because I'm the address book killer. Also, and his apartment looks like uh, the shack from uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. His apartment with, looks with like computers in it. Your apartment. It's yeah. got a bunch of jars and like things in shadow boxes and books. Yeah. I was like, what? We're inside Elliot's home right now. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, uh, while he's playing chicken on the freeway, this is what, what, you know, creates the sort of ghost in the machine scenario is he's playing chicken with uh, an 18 wheeler and loses and he flips his car uh after which it goes sliding upside down through a graveyard, hitting every single headstone along the way while he giggles. Yeah. This was some kind of desired outcome for him. <laughs> right. He's, he the- he's ecstatic with the way his day is going, despite the fact now that he is never going to get to kill Karen Allen. <laughs> or is he? You know, he's going to get to kill. Probably he, being in the computer is the best thing that ever happened to him because he's just like, I have access to all addresses. And when he when he kills people, friend from her address book, the way he like checks it off the digital address book. Oh, I love it. 
It's so good. It let me it's know so like good. where we were at in the movie. It let me know where we were going next. I loved it mm-hmm. as like a, a sort of organizational motif. I think more movies should be like that. Have like either a calendar or an address book or like a checklist. Yeah. Of like plot points. Just be like, okay, here we are, and here's what's next. And the first, the first person he kills from the book is her boss Frank, who. He, arguably the best death in the movie oh my god it's great well it's but so he basically short wires his microwave which somehow heats up the entire kitchen to unbelievable temperatures yeah it turns it into some kind of like uh like reactor core like yeah, the radiation like, is so high uh that it boils him alive and well, everything in his that's but that's not even how he dies. Like you watching him and like his skin's bubbling up and everything's exploding around him. And then a jar of mustard explodes. The mustard lands on the floor. Frank slips in the mustard and hits his head. And that's how he dies. Just to make sure. Because <laughs> he, he assuredly would have died of, uh, you know, his burns and radiation poisoning. But just in case, we got to have that little punctuation mark. That's pretty great. Uh, that one's good. Uh, when she kills... And he kills a uh, Karen Allen's would-be suitor named Elliot. Elliot, in the movie. yeah, yeah. I love sh- the fake out and the build-up on that death because oh he, my god, he works in a uh, vehicle crash test facility, right? right? Testing uh, collisions on cars, and there is such a tease of him getting run over by one of the cars. And it just drags on and on and on of like, oh, let me get him set up in like this perfect mousetrap scenario. Right. Like I got to create this like Rube Goldbergian's like set of circumstances in order to just run him over with the car. And then it doesn't happen. No. And then he, he survives the crash. Then he, well, then he gets stuck in the, in the front seat of the car. The car crashes and he survives like in fine a, without a, a scratch. Yeah, not even like his neck isn't even like torqued or anything. And then he goes to the bathroom and the fucking hand dryer explodes. Which <laughs> good thing there was a computer chip. Fireball. Good thing there's a computer chip in that hand dryer. Well, and that's what I would that's one of the things I was like, "Wait a second. Does it have to be connected to a phone line? Can it be connected by an electrical outlet?" It like, seems to be any electrical outlet because that's how they get him with the microwave. And remember the way they stop the computer from getting into the house itself is they just put q-tips in all the outlets so apparently that's how you stop an internet ghost oh that was brilliant that was my one of my favorite pieces of business was how do we escape this guy we're going back to the dark ages unplug all of this shit and we're gonna have lanterns and candles and I thought that was awesome. They should but have put I mean, on like Amish outfits. That does lead to an actually pretty clever way of how the killer still gets to the family is that he just sends 911 calls to every single cop in the city all to this address, but for different reasons. Uh, that that was my favorite piece of that is all of them were different sort of threat levels, and right. yet they all showed up with like zero confusion. They right. saw other cops there with you know, guns and their gear on and it's sort of an emergency situation. And regardless of the reason that they were all called there, uh, even one of the officers makes a comment about it. She was like, uh, oh, it's just a domestic disturbance. So uh, we don't need to to go overboard or something like that. Right. Despite the fact that there's 20 cop cars there and like 50 cops with like with their guns out. Well, and that's the best thing at like the 
The best part about this scene is that the cops just pull their guns and start blindly shooting into this home, which is literally the most realistic thing that happens in this movie, like completely grounded in reality. Well, after the uh, after the the killer sets off, he like makes the the transformer on the electricity pole spark a little bit. Right. And the, the, like, the up down the street <laughs> and the veteran cop, like the older, you know, experienced cop is like well it's on let's go and they start firing he just straight up says we're not taking any style. chances right and then some other dude just walks up and goes like cease fire cease fire yeah it's like where was that guy earlier uh, i mean frankly like i said probably the most realistic scene in the whole movie um one of the cops do you remember this is what i said like is that dominic west I remember there's the older cop and he they get the he's the first one to get the call and he goes to his partner he's like ah this is your first day on the job. It's going to be a doozy. Is that younger cop Dominic West? I think it might be. I looked up his filmography and it, I couldn't find anything. However, it could be like it's such a small role. It could be uncredited. Yeah, maybe he just showed up one day or like they needed somebody. or Because I'm almost positive that's him. That's wild. Um, Some of the great moments in this movie. Uh, the dog watching pornography, dog pornography. So I I wanted to bring that up because I wasn't sure if I was reading that scene correctly. No, you were we're, reading it very. We're we're to understand that the dog is turned on by this dog commercial or dog dog it's show. Dog, it's a dog obedience tape, and it starts humping the table. Right. It's it's the dog is home by home alone. The TV comes on turned on by the by the computer killer. And there's a dog obedience tape playing, and the dog just instantly starts humping the table. Instantly. I, I lost it. I completely lost it at that scene. I wanted to rewind it and watch it again because I was so blown away, but I couldn't because I, I this was a rental, and so I had to watch it all the way through, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I was like, what? Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me see that again because I could not believe that I mean, for one thing, I don't believe I've ever seen a dog just hump a table. Like, usually life. they go for something, like, rounder and solve, like, a pillow or a I've, stuffed I've, animal or something like it. that. I've seen it, but okay. it's, still, it's still a fucking crazy scene. Um, the VR game is amazing. I I always laugh when I see games like this because it's essentially, like, you could just go play laser tag. Right. Like during this time, like there is a real life equivalent to this game and like it's probably ten times more fun. Like virtual reality now is all like a whole different ball game, right? It's far more realistic and immersive. So probably now it would be way cooler. But back then, like it was But how does this game even work? Because one, they're like, okay, they're in the him Josh's friend are playing this game, the killer's in there. They're, at the, they're playing this game at the mall. Yeah, which uh, is like, if his mom's going out on a date, it's got to be like at least 7 or 8 o'clock at night, and he's like, let's go to the mall and play virtual reality. I'm like, the mall's closing soon, dude. Are you kidding me? Yeah. and How well, did he even I, get there? Well, he said he'd be there in 15 minutes, so maybe he lives by the mall. He would have to, because not even a, like a municipal bus would run that quickly. No. He probably just hopped on his BMX bike, rode down to the mall, Got in some VR games. But in this game, when they get shot in the game with the VR guns, 
uh, like the kids go like, ow, my arm. But there's no sensors hooked up to their arm. No, they're just wearing the, the goggles and then they're sort of uh, kind of like hooked in. But yeah, there's no reason it should actually hurt. And when Josh gets thrown out of the game by the by the killer, he he's literally his whole body lifts up and is thrown out of the VR ring as if suspended by magic. It's really kind of hard to describe this scene. Everyone laughs and and rightly so because yes. he, he looks like a fool like playing this game and just like yeah getting launched out of there. Even before the killer shows up in the in the in the game when they're just playing it, Josh and his friend are basically having a game of cat and mouse in a singular hallway, VR hallway. Like there's nothing for them to hide behind, but they're constantly be like, "Where'd you go? Where'd you go?" Like he's standing in front of you. He's been standing in front of you this entire time. And they have you... these big, like, sort of warped, like, distorted, digitized heads of themselves. Yes. Like it's like imagine if you put your your f- head in a jar and then pushed your face up against the curved glass, and that's what it looks like. They're all like their eyes are like bulging out, and it looks it's very upsetting. Um. Yeah. And right after the scene. The kids get in trouble for sneaking out, so that's why they need a babysitter next time they hang out. And it's, Yeah, because they're babies. And it's Onion Butt who ends up babysitting them. And this is where I was so conf- – one of the parts where I was confused of how old this character is supposed to be. Because when she's first introduced, I thought she was supposed to be like maybe a year older than Josh. Like she's one grade ahead. And we meet her. The way we're introduced to her is she's just rooting around through Josh and Terry's garbage. I love it. She's loading up a pickup truck with old newspaper. <laughs> she's just like, just she's like, look out the window and she's just in their backyard, like going through the trash. Like stacks and stacks, like someone who's been hoarding newspapers for a decade. I was yeah. like, what are you doing? Is that her truck? I, I don't know. Because I got to tell you, her outfit and vibe does not match that vehicle no. in the least. No, no, not at all. Like, you expect her to be, like, the type of person, the character who's like, I can't do work. I just got my hair done. Yeah, she definitely has that type of attitude. And she's a very lazy babysitter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then for 30 bucks, she does a strip tease for the kids. $37.25. Yes. Well, they also the kids also say, we're hackers. We can lower your insurance, car insurance rate. Another example of them like being committed to this hacker notion, and With, like yet you see absolutely zero hacking. Like, right. There's not a lot of exposition in this movie until kind of the, the third act, but... And I don't even know if I'd call this exposition, but they're constantly just talking about hacking and never doing it. Yeah, and then she's like, and then she's like, starts they give her the money, and she starts stripping. And she goes like, "You boys are getting way too old for babysitters." And this is such a perplexing scene on so many levels because just like, why is it in the movie? Uh, what's going on? Like, is she trying to seduce them? And at this point, I actually just like because I was so confused about how old she was supposed to be, I looked up. Which obviously this isn't the characters' ages, but I looked up the actors' ages, and she's ten years older than them in real life. That makes so, sense. So these kids are like twelve, and she's in she's like twenty three or twenty four, which just makes this seem even weirder and creepier. So a crime was also committed. <laughs> yes. I will say, I really, really appreciated that she like owned it. She was like, "I'm gonna make this money." I'm going to blow these little twerps' minds, which she does. Their reaction is... Oh, out of control. Ar- arguably, like, genuine. 
Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if they were, you know, filming that in real time, but whatever, whatever they told them to get that reaction, it was pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. But she like, she seems to get like a little bit of a thrill out of it. For sure. And it sort of makes like, it gives her character kind of a more interesting uh, uh, edge to it. But then unfortunately she, there's no sort of, uh, relation or like poetic justice or anything in terms of her death. No. Which I was sort of hoping for. I was like, oh, can we get like some kind of a like related, like maybe she she gets killed by a camera or like, uh-huh. uh, I don't know, uh, well, like a hairdryer or. Um, that's the thing. The scene, right. The, the scene is so like just kind of inserted into the middle of events because there is some tension build up before that with the with the killer fucking with different things in the house and like turning on the oven and making things boil over and then it just instantly cuts to this like wacky like sex comedy scene and then the next scene she gets killed by the the uh dishwasher yeah she's watching in living color and there's a what happens there's a um like a, a two extension cords connected together. Yeah. Like, like going a, across the floor. With a loose connection. So the, uh, yeah. the prongs are exposed and the dishwasher starts overflowing and water gets into it. Uh, like there's a little thing, like the little title screen, like of the, with the, the stages, it's saying like rinse, agitate. And then it goes explode. Yeah. And all the water comes out. She gets electrocuted and then it says die. Yeah. I like that a lot, but yeah, the, just a simple electrocution is not, not too, uh, creative, unfortunately. Well, what I do like about it is that the killer is putting those things on the, sc- the what, dishwasher screen solely for himself. You know, like no one else has seen that. And he just, it's just his little joke for himself. Yeah. It's not, he's not using it to sort of play mind games or terrorize anybody. Yeah. He's at no just point like, does, she, does she see that and go like die and then she gets electrocuted. It's only, it's only, it's, it's just for him. Yeah. Just self-amusement and good for him because he's obviously coping with being trapped in uh, the internet or electricity whatever it is uh pretty well honestly finding ways to entertain himself and and moving around from you know different um uh forms of telecommunication from the internet to the phone i don't understand how he got in the car phone oh there's no there's no there's no logic or explanation to any of this i really was perplexed by that like trying to wrap my head around that one because i was like wait a second it actually, I will say, in in those most absurd situations, it started to get me to think about things that I've never thought about. But like, how does a car phone work, or how did right. did they work in that like first generation? Because like think- now I might be like, oh well, it's just a you know satellite or uh, wireless you know phone towers or whatever. Like that's a fairly like direct and obvious explanation. But back then, when it was like it was all phone lines, like. How did they work? Right. Or I'll even like, you know, like a, you ever seen like those old like field phones from World War II where it's a guy with a giant phone backpack that like he turns a crank on. Yeah. And to, to generate electricity and then they talk on the phone. But yeah, the, where is that? Where is, if there's no cellular technology, uh, I just did quotes with my fingers that no one can see. 
Um, well, in that case, I think it's like a radio broadcast, right? You're essentially carrying a radio station transmitter on your back. Okay, yeah, that, I guess as, that makes as sense. is my understanding. Yeah. Well, then I guess that would be how a car phone would, you know, early days car phone would also work. Then I guess. But then um, there would be no way for a computer to get into it. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. This is what's you know this era of movie. Um, basically, at this time, it was computers could just do anything. That's what people thought. You know, like I can use a computer to to literally make anything happen. So, from the standard wisdom of the time, uh, this all this checks out. Yeah, I love that they they used the "or oh, could wipe out your bank account" uh, trope. Even though, like, most banks were using, like, the most rudimentary, like, computer systems at that time. Yeah. I mean, there are some things, as like you said, like, even though there's no real hacking or there's no any of this, there are, and, and they do tons of stuff that's, like, no computer has ever been able to do that or can currently do that. Uh, these are not things that computers do. There are some actual things in there that kind of check out, like just little tiny things. I think they might check out even by accident. It's not like they did a lot of research. But it's like, okay, that kind of makes a slight sense in a way. Um, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. No, ultimately it does not. This sort of made me rethink a lot of uh, technology and, and devices that I don't had ne- never really thought about at length before like what was your like understanding of computers at this time oh very little i mean basically my understanding was probably just from what movies like this told me so i probably assumed that you could do all these things with a computer and maybe that's why there's these early movies where like like there's all these like hip hackers like kid hackers because it's like oh shit if i had a computer i could make a dinosaur that also robbed banks digitally, you know? Oh, that would be awesome. Like a little graphic of like the dinosaur, like boop, 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 it would boop, come boop, to life. It would, co- it would come to life, but then also like shrink down and go inside of, uh, an ATM or something. Yeah. And just like eating dollar signs. Eating and dollars. it's like, Oh no, the dinosaur ate all the money. What right. are we going to do? When you brought it back and just spit the money back out of its, out of your mouth. That's yeah. pretty much what I thought a computer could do. Uh, based on based on movies and such, uh, yeah. So that was probably. And then when you actually get a computer, you're wildly disappointed because, like, oh, I can play solitaire or Oregon Trail. Yeah, and if you want to yeah. do anything like really tricky, you have to like really know a lot. Yeah, and like literally, these things make it look like, oh, I just pressed the button, and that's it. Just happens. Oh yeah, at some point, the the folk hero hacker. Uh, creates a virus and just has it on a floppy disk despite spending right. almost no time right. doing anything. But he's the greatest hacker in the world, so it's it's conceivable that he made this in 30 seconds. Yeah, and he's a bit of a revolutionary, too. At one point, they, they mentioned that him and Karen Allen were at the same Nixon protest together. That's true. And that possibly she swam naked in the... Uh, what's that pool on the Washington Monument? Oh yeah, um, I can't remember whatever the name of that pool yeah. is. We we seem to be like telling you what all the best moments are, and uh, like we're spoiling a lot of stuff. Like we're not like watching these things happen is so different than hearing them described. This movie, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of. Fun. I would put this kind of in the same class as 
another movie we did on the show, Deadly Friend. It's not quite as loony as that movie, and this movie is definitely more self-aware than Deadly Friend, which is trying to make an incredibly earnest and sincere movie and just failing miserably. Uh, But this movie is just delightful, and it's just like, yep, we're going for it type of attitude. Yeah, Deadly Friend had that vibe of like an after-school special, like like a very sentimental, like a, you know, that you'd get the spe- super special episode of a sitcom where they're talking about drugs or, right. uh, you know, death in the family or something like that. And it's all very like straightforward. This definitely plays like a, like I said, like a Nickelodeon type movie that just so happens to have a serial killer subplot in it. Yeah, and, but it plays off of those tropes, and it's kind of funny. Like, what was your awareness of this movie prior to us doing it? Because also, this is a unique thing for us. This is a movie, that the first time on the show we did a movie where neither one of us had seen it before. We totally rolled the dice 100%. Uh, I had, I have seen this trailer a thousand times. Yeah. Uh, it's a really good trailer. It starts out with a voiceover that's like, Last night, a killer died. Yeah. Uh, what? What? I have never heard such a notion of the, the irony of a killer dying. It's <laughs> fucking mind-blowing. <laughs> so yeah, I've seen it uh, like a billion times. I love the movie poster. Uh, so I kind of always have always had an awareness of the movie in a, a similar in a similar fashion to um, Body Parts uh-huh. with Jeff Fahey. That's another one of those movies that I've seen the, tra- uh, the trailer a thousand times. I've seen a ton of clips from it, but I've never just just never sat down and watched the movie in its yeah. entirety. Um, so it was kind of thrilling. Like once I started thinking about sci-fi movies, and and we started this sci-fi summer, I started getting into a lot of the sort of virtual reality and early internet styled movies. And this one, you know, invariably had to come up along with you know Lawnmower Man and movies of that type. And so, uh. I was pretty excited to to finally dive in and take a look and see what it was all about. So this is a movie that like I don't remember like exactly what the movie coming out. I had never seen the trailer prior to this, but I have a constant like kind of memory of this movie existing from it just being on TV, like on cable TV a lot yeah. in the, in the 90s, but never watching that. I just remember like scrolling through TV Guide or something like, oh, Ghost in the Machine is going to be on again or whatever on this time. And I, my impression of it uh, was it of it being just more of a, like a straightforward like haunted house movie. Like if you'd asked me like a week ago before we decided to do this, um, what's Ghost in the Machine about? I'd be like, oh, I'm pretty sure it's like a haunted factory, like maybe like a car factory and like the ghost like – hunts the machines and crushes people or something like that that's what i would have guessed the movie was about so this movie's kind of a forgotten gem in a lot of ways and the fact that it hasn't had a cult resurgence is kind of surprising to me and there's all these you know dvd blu-ray companies that put out the special editions of stuff horror movies like shout factory and arrow and the fact that they haven't done one for this is kind of surprising to me because i would imagine you could get the rights to it incredibly cheap and some of the stuff i mean don't get me wrong i like those uh companies i like the the what they're doing but a lot of the movies they put out for these like special editions with all these extra features and high definition transfers are kind of throwaway movies and to me this is not a throwaway movie this is a movie that really should have caught on a little bit better and had a following 
Yeah, and I think if the marketing would have been different, I think it, it the trailer really frames it as like Karen Allen's story. And even though she is kind of an anchor through the whole thing, I think if you would have marketed it from the kids' perspective uh, and made, right. kind of targeted youth a little bit more, I think it would have had a, a lot more success and popularity. It's definitely not marketed as like the like kind of tongue-in-cheek horror comedy that it is. It's marketed yeah. very straightforward, which doesn't do it any favors, I don't think. No, I definitely expected it to be a lot darker and and more sinister. But yeah, it does have such a silly kind of fun... Uh, energy to it that uh yeah you wouldn't really expect based on anything that you see and yeah. it uh yeah ultimately that's like the saving grace is it this is the kind of movie that i would show to a kid like a young kid just getting into horror movies yeah. this would is kind of one of the the sort of gateway drug movies i would be perfectly uh confident and and satisfied in in showing a child i would show this like literally like i'm truly delighted by this movie um, uh, I would show this to anyone who has any form of interest in genre films or this type of movie a- at all. I think, I think it's, it's, it was so much fun and it was so entertaining and I just got such a kick out of it. Um, that I think this will be a movie that I periodically revisit from here on out. Yeah. I think as the nineties, uh, sort of nostalgia wave grows in popularity, I think kids who, grew up with the internet as a staple in their life are going to look back and be really sort of uh, uh, tickled and and entertained by this movie. And I think we will see a resurgence. I think we're just like a little bit ahead of the curve on that one. But I think, I think movies like this and the lawnmower man and all those type of, uh, you know, brain scan and uh, mm-hmm. arcade, like all of those types of movies uh, are really going to get, uh, a second look from people right. uh, just based on the fact that the world has changed so much and the internet is, you know, such an integral part of our lives and people are going to go back and, and want to see kind of, you know, the roots uh, of that and what it looked like when that was something totally new. And maybe we can stop, stop talking about everything eighties horror movie at nauseum over and over ad nauseum. Yeah, over and over and over again, which I'm not talking shit on those movies. I love those movies. But how many times can you talk about how great the thing is, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that we're we're due uh, for, you know, I already already see, you know, the chatter online from people in their early 20s talking about, I love 90s movies. Oh, my God. The the Big Green is my favorite movie of all time. My childhood. I've made this very clear. I do not (laughs) love 90s movies, but I will say 1990 to 90, like three, maybe I think 94 is when there was this shift in like, I don't really like these movies, like in general, like movies from this time period. Obviously I love, there's movies from the nineties I like, but just like the, what was the popular styles and tones and genres was not crazy. Like 94 on, but like 91, like 90 to 93, I do really like that era of, of films because it is just kind of this weird mishmash of changing cultures and what's popular and new technologies that nobody understands, and it's it's a lot of fun. I think that uh, as time goes on, you're going to eat those words, and I think that you think you're, so? yeah, it's going to be revealed to you and to your own sort of self-revelation that uh, you like a lot more uh, movies from the 90s 
uh, I like a lot than of you think. I like a lot of movies from the individual movies from the 90s. I don't like 90s movies. Like when you think about like <laughs> what was popular, the popular genres and types of movies from the 90s, it was all like pulp fiction ripoffs. I, I love that, yeah, like crime movies where everyone's super cool. Yeah, and then like, I, I love that also you're just sort of, without saying it, you're just saying The Crow. The Crow. <laughs> you're, you're you're literally just thinking of that movie. Like, I, oh my god, I hate '90s movies. This is what I think of when I think of '90s movies. I think of like not necessarily Pulp Fiction, but like Pulp Fiction ripoffs, like Two Days in the Valley, um, The Crow, some movie like Reality Bites. Oh yeah, uh, Let's single go. singles, you know, uh, and then like really really bad like broad comedies. Oh man. See, I love the comedy style of the time just because of the like the goofy, nutty energy. Everyone's such a fucking weirdo. Everything's got a ska soundtrack and they use use like wacky camera uh techniques like time lapses and like super fast motion and slow-mo for no reason. Absolutely no reason other than and like fisheye lenses. Oh my god, the yeah. fisheye lenses. <laughs> This is every 90s comedy in a nutshell. Like I some, love that shit so much. Some schlubby dude walking out of his a house into his front yard while the, a ska plays, standing there drinking his coffee, he gets hit with a newspaper and then sees his super hot neighbor across the street. And it's like, ah, oh, shit. Ah, I can't. Ah, how do I talk to her? And he's wearing sunglasses at like eight in the morning yes. and like plaid shorts and a vest. Yeah. Oh man, Encino man, we should do Encino. No, man. I will never. Oh, no, okay. uh, no, no, nope, nope. That will not happen. Plaid vests. No. Fucking everybody eats pizza. If you, if you even suggest that we would do anything that has Pauly Shore in it, a tribute to no. the greatness of Pauly Shore. Oh my God, uh, <laughs> this this is the undoing. <laughs> I wish Pauly Shore was in Ghost in the Machine. He should have been. He should have been the killer. He should have been the killer. Holy shit! He should have been the killer. That would have been amazing. He's Coming like to kill you, hey, buddy. What, what do you got there? Oh, it's a burrito. Oh, I'm gonna cook the burrito until it kills you. Well, this is the final episode of the Trash Heap, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me, and, me and Keith have reached in in, uh, in what do you call it when you're getting divorced? Like, uh, Irreconcilable uh, differences. Di- yes, that that is <laughs> that is the point we've come to. <laughs> Good. Well, come join me on my new show, uh, Wee's in the Juice with Keith, <laughs> a Polly Shore tribute podcast. You could probably get Polly Shore on the show pretty I, easily. I, so I, I'm 100 convinced. If I sent him an email, he'd be like, "Okay, let's go." Do you think we could get Whit Whit Hertford on the show? No. You don't think so? No. He is very protective of his personal brand, and I think he is also uh, sort of on to people who are like, you know, want to use him for comedic effect or yeah. uh, anything like that. So I don't think it's going to happen. I think we could trick him, though. Maybe. If we lie to him and be like, oh, this is a, a podcast about, you know, writing for theater. Right. And not and not tell him that I'm the person he's blocked on all forms of social media. Yeah, like you contact him. I don't even have social media. Oh, okay, guy who doesn't have social media. No, no, no. We tell him that. Oh, I don't. I don't think we could fool him. Honestly, not that he's some kind of strategic genius, but he's a criminal mastermind. Yeah, he's the king, the actual kingpin of crime. He's, 
he's the he's the hacker for, from this movie. Oh man. Uh, wait, he was in like a wasn't he in like a sci-fi ghost movie too, where it was like the 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 ghost is using science to kill people. Like, I'm like, sure. I'm sure that's that's the case. Well, let's look into it. What do you do? You anything else you want to add? I love Ghost in the Machine. Uh, if someone out there would like to recut it into a uh, Nickelodeon comedy with a ska soundtrack uh, and uh, like a wacky voiceover, um, do please, not tempt do. me. Do not tempt me, Keith. Please do. Uh, yeah, if you've got some free time, yeah, you're oh, no yeah. you're no stranger to recutting movie trailers. That's true. I've seen um, a few. Yeah, I, th- I think that's about all. I can can't recommend this movie enough in terms of it just being like, is this some like tightly written, like well crafted, mat- forgotten masterpiece? No. Is this one of the most fun you'll have, like fun surprises you'll have in a while? Absolutely. Check this movie out. Um, we got more coming in the sci-fi summer. And you guys, we did a poll, li- viewer, listener poll. You guys have decided that The Country Bears is a sci-fi movie, so that might be on the horizon. I mean, I've seen stills from this movie, and just based on the images alone, I would say this is 100% a sci-fi movie that we need to talk about. Have you seen this movie, Keith? I have not. Um, I have listened to other shows that have covered The Country Bears, Mm -hmm. and I've listened to interviews with... uh, some of the stars of the country bears, but I've never seen the country bears. Uh, so I would definitely be open to the possibility. Well, and I, th- seen, I think it's worth exploring. I've seen it. And I can say it's definitely worth exploring. Um, I think that kind of wraps this one up. I, t- I'm going to have to cut this real quick. Be sure. Because I have to poop. Um, so I, I don't have anything else to say. Any last words? Well, Keith? Elliot, Elliot's going to go shit in the toilet as, uh, one does. And then hopefully it'll get downloaded to the internet. And, uh, until next time, the dumpster is closed. You really should have said it until next time the toilet is closed. No. Okay, fine. Goodbye, everyone. That's it. Hmm.